It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes... Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast for a new adventure in the British countryside. In this episode, the magazine's walks editor, Danny Graham, climbs a wild and windy peak in the Lake District with outdoors photographer Dave Willis to chat about life behind a camera and learn a few key tips for taking better images. Plus, we learn what's needed to be a success as a professional photographer. Hi, Dave. Hello. Can you just explain a little bit about where we are at the moment, where we're walking? Okay, so we're in the the Buttermere Valley. We've just left Buttermere Village, and we're walking up the footpath up Robinson, which is just to the side of the Newlands Pass Road. Um, And Buttermere and Crummock are the valleys that radiate around with... Borrowdale and Keswick uh, to our north or northeast and Ennerdale to our west. So you've been photographing all sorts of things in the Lake District and well, around the UK for a number of years now. Can you talk to us a little bit about photography and your involvement in it? Okay, well, I started out in photography um, right out of school, age 1617. Uh, I moved to the, the Lake District to pursue mountaineering, rock climbing, outdoor adventure sport photography. And that's what I've been doing uh, all of my working life. So I've been an outdoor photographer of one sort or another for oh, over, over 35 years now, um, working on uh, projects with people like the National Park Authority, Cumbria Tourism, 
National Trust and editorial photography, um, working with uh, magazines like BBC Countryfile um, and BBC Wildlife magazine. And most of my photography is really about telling stories. It's about illustrating something interesting or exciting or uh, some aspect of perhaps conservation or the outdoor life, <clears throat> particularly here in the Lake District, which is a great playground and, and a great venue for all of those kinds of things. Great. Um, and so when you're in the Lake District, walking through the hills, is there anything in particular that you, you like focusing on with your photography? So I think because I'm an editorial photography, my, uh, photographer, my, uh, my photography is always based around or focused on some kind of specific story or project or, uh, or theme. Um, so a lot of my photography uh, in the past has been about rock climbing, mountain biking, windsurfing, things like that, skiing mountaineering and it's really about highlighting those outdoor pursuits and showing the kind of highs and lows the the excitement of it the, the adventure of it um, and how it fits into the context of the outdoors somewhere like the Lake District and you know other places as well um, so I usually go out with a story in mind I usually go out with people who I'm going to photograph but if I'm just out walking like we are now, then inevitably I'm going to look at landscape. I'm going to look at, you know, the, the views and the panoramas around us. But I don't see myself as a landscape photographer, not a traditional landscape photographer. I think the thing that interests me more is the abstract uh, kind of landscapes where I'm really looking at small parts of the landscape focusing in on shape and colour, light, dark, you know, highlight and shadow, the way that lines interact. So I have a, a real sharp kind of instinct for, for abstract in the landscape and that's what I tend to focus on rather than those traditional Lake District views. Right, yeah. And so with that in mind, is there a particular season that brings those shapes out of the landscape? Uh, that you love? Yeah, it definitely is because the winter months when everything's stripped back and the light is sort of fleeting and harsh and, you know, unpredictable, that seems to produce, for me, better landscape pictures. But then I think that's, that's because of the mood of them. I think I find that in the summer, landscape is a little bit more a picture postcard and more predictable and for me that doesn't have as much interest and I find that snow is always a great place to look for the kind of landscape photography that I enjoy where you have real stark contrast between the, the lights and the darks and you can really find shapes and textures much easier. Yeah, okay. And when you're out photographing people in the landscape, um, is there anything uh, do you set them in a certain scene that will bring out a good shot 
Is that something you look for, or do you? What do you ask them to bring? So, so yeah, I have a real, I have a technique that I've, I've kind of developed over over the years. So first of all, I always think of myself when I'm working on a story as an editorial or press photographer. Uh, I always use lighting, so I always have flash guns, radio-controlled flash guns with me. I always light everything. I stop and consider a scene and then light it because it allows me to control exactly how things look and the direction and colour of light. So that's a starting point for me. But then uh, I, I look for places where I can isolate a figure against the landscape so that they stand out, so they're bold and clear. So I have things which I kind of refer to as stages, a little bit like putting an actor on a stage. I look for places in the landscape where you could put someone as if they were on a stage or on a platform against the background. So that could be the corner of a path, the summit of a rise, or somewhere where there's a a real contrast between where the person is standing and the background. And that allows me to isolate them and really focus attention on what that person is doing and where they are in the landscape so they don't get lost. Right, yeah, so that's it's interesting hearing about the equipment you have to carry on your shoots. You can see your bag looks quite heavy. So you've, you just mentioned lighting. What else have you got in your rucksack? Okay, so when I'm out on a, a professional shoot, I always carry two cameras in case one breaks down. We're in the outdoors, so that happens. I generally restrict myself to just one or two lenses, so I don't have to carry a lot of bulk. Usually a, a wide-angle lens and a, a short general telephoto, maybe something like a, an 18 to 55, which you'd get as a kit lens for most cameras or maybe a 70 to 200 telephoto. And then I'll carry flash guns. I normally have two or three with me. Radio controlled, uh, which are usually in Tupperware boxes to keep them dry and uh, clean. And I can just put them down on the ground without worrying about them. Uh, I'll often carry some form of light stand, but something compact. I have a ground spike I use, I have a little mini tripod that I use to put lights on. Or I can just put my little Tupperware boxes on the ground and prop them up, put them on rocks, that kind of thing. Um, I generally don't take a, a camera tripod with me, a big professional tripod like a lot of landscape photographers would use. I prefer to travel kind of lighter and I don't really enjoy the slow process of using a tripod. I, I think I prefer to be a bit more responsive and use the camera in my hand. Um, And then it's just the usual stuff that you have to put in your bag if you're going to operate in a mountain environment. So you're going to have waterproofs, you're going to have some food, you're going to have a map, compass, maybe a first aid kit, uh, you know, things like that, which are just the normal sensible things that you've got to have when you're up here in in the hills and the fells and on the mountains. Of course, those are things that a photographer working in an urban environment doesn't really need to think about. But we have to carry a bit more up here. And you mentioned that you've you've been in photography in the industry of photography for a while. Has it changed a lot in the last couple of decades? Yeah, the 
the industry has changed massively. When I started, we were shooting uh, on mechanical cameras, on film. As a press photographer, I shot black and white, processed and printed black and white to uh, publish in newspapers and so on. And so we've been through the whole digital revolution. Um, a lot of listeners, of course, will have never really used a film camera. Their whole life in photography will have been digital, but for me, that's, that was a transition. And now that technology is maturing. So digital cameras are just amazing in the quality of the files that they produce, their ability to shoot really high ISO numbers in low light and produce really amazing quality files. Mirrorless cameras are taking over from the old DSLR cameras, which are much heavier and bigger and bulkier, which for me as an outdoor photographer is a huge benefit, being able to lighten my load, use a smaller camera, still produce amazing quality images. And then wireless technology. So my flash guns are all wireless. Um, I can send pictures from my camera wirelessly to an iPad or a laptop, that kind of thing. So all of those innovations mean that we, as photographers, we can be much more creative because we can see what's happening while we're shooting. We can afford to be experimental. We can make mistakes and it doesn't cost anything. And we can try weird and wacky stuff just to see what happens, see what it looks like. And we can see the feedback from that straight away. We can look at the image and go, okay, that's not quite working. Let's just tweak this or tweak that and have another look. Oh, look, that's working. So it's really expanded our ability to be creative in you know, the outdoor environment in a way that you could never have done you know, years ago. And that will just continue. Video has been a big, uh, you know, a big development over the last five to ten years. You know, with uh, high definition video available to everyone, broadcast quality. So yeah, there's lots of technical innovations that are happening, and for me, it's all good. They're all benefits. Do you think that's made it easier for? Uh, people who are interested in photography to go on and pursue it as maybe a profession and what other advice would you might you give to, to people who want to take it to the next level in photography? So it's definitely made it easier to get into photography but by the same token it's made it harder to make a living in photography because there are so many people trying to do it now and there's some really good photographers just you know, arriving on the scene on a daily basis, really. You look at Instagram and, you know, Pinterest and Flickr and places like that, and you just see fantastic photography happening all the time. So for someone wanting to pursue it as a profession, you really have to still know the nuts and bolts. You've got to, you've got to know creative process. You've got to know about photography, how to create great images. Um, just having a great camera that does everything for you is never going to be enough. It never was and it never will be. It's what you see and what you make in your mind's eye, how you create pictures by putting yourself in the right position and then using whatever tools, whatever cameras you've got 
cameras don't matter. Photographers are, it's all about the creative process. They're, a photographer is a person, not a camera. So it's harder to make a living. There are lots more people doing it, but it's easier to get in than, into it than it ever was. You just have to be good enough uh, to keep going. So study, look at lots and lots of photographers. The more photography you look at, the broader your view of photography will be. You'll, you'll see more possibilities, see more ways of working, more techniques. It'll expand your horizon. So lots of research, lots of photographers, and go out and, and do photography constantly. If you want to work in photography, then you have to live and breathe it because it's an incredibly difficult profession uh, to, to keep going in. But if you've got what it takes, then it's you know an amazingly rewarding uh, lifestyle. Brilliant. Well, we've been walking for about 15 minutes now. We've gained a good bit of height. The views are beautiful. So thanks so much for talking to us today, Dave. Enjoy the rest of your walk. Thanks very much. Danny and Dave were in the Lake District to capture Danny's big adventure, crossing the National Park on foot while sleeping in youth hostels. You can read the finished article. You can see whether he completed his quest in the September issue of BBC Country Farm magazine, on sale on the 22nd of August and available in most big supermarkets and newsagents. As ever, you can find many more of our podcasts on Acast and the Apple Podcast app. Let me know what you think of the podcast by emailing me at editor at and get your daily countryside fix at our website, countryfile.com. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye now.